Welcome to another edition of Reshaping America. This is your host, Kurt Flewelling. A lot of COVID-19 news, uh, all sorts of craziness in the streets. We had an election 96 days away. Um, I think we should start with a little scripture, don't you? Yes, I do. This scripture is uh, from the book of Nehemiah 917. You are a forgiving God gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in love. When you envision God up above, seeing all the craziness, the mayhem, the tumult, um, aren't we uh, fortunate that he is gracious and forgiving and compassionate when he sees all of us running around, arguing, bickering, and uh, a lot of us doing a lot more than that. Um, So thank God up above, he is kind and patient and gracious with us. And we should be with our fellow man as well, even if we do have uh, differences of opinion on how this country should be uh, going and who should be running it, etc. We should always keep that in mind. Um, So lots to talk about today. I I did want to get personal for a second. I I recall... um, a couple of days ago, my, my good friend of over 20 years, Gary, looked at me and he goes, man, you look beat. You look dispirited. You look tired. I've seen that look before. And uh, he has. And he is not a physician, but he um, certainly diagnosed me well the first time he saw that a number of years ago. And, and uh, I think I have a recurrence of what I had then, which is... Um, it's just uh, a, a tiredness that comes from seeing so many problems out there, being one man uh, on the radio and in my travels in the community, and just looking at all that is going wrong in the streets, in the pulpits, um, in homes, in churches, in schools, if we ever do get back to school, and He has seen that look uh, before and he gave me sound advice and he gave me the same advice again. Um, I just looked tired, dispirited, and he was correct. And the first time he saw that number of years ago, it was when I just basically would see wrong and see problems and just try to fix them, whatever that looked like, Um, either television, radio, witnessing to people, whatever my vocation was at the time, um, praying, 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 counseling, counseling, counseling. And, and, um, at the end of the day, if you do that, I mean, that's a good thing that you're compassionate and you, you have empathy and you see problems. But at the end of the day, if you or I are not careful, we can very certainly, um, assuredly, become weary, become tired, become ineffective actually for uh, Jesus Christ. And we need to not only rest, but we need to, as they say, uh, work smart rather than work hard. And um, Gary always gave me this advice and he practices it in his life. Um, And uh, he, you know, he, he harkens back to when I was a lifeguard a long time ago. And I remember um, when we went through advanced life-saving and then I was a water safety instructor and uh, some of the stories I would hear and some of the training that people would have to go through, it was it was pretty rigorous. And they would, um, 
they would tell us about like mass disasters and lifeguards just uh, having to save uh, people left, right, and crazy during a disaster of one form or another. And and Gary took the the that analogy to kind of educate me and said, look, you know, if fifty people are drowning, um, if you try to save all fifty. Um, not only will those 50 not make it, but you will probably not make it as well. Uh, I would focus on anywhere from two to five of those individuals and try as hard as you can to save them. And, um, and at least, you know, five individuals would be saved rather than everyone being lost. And the point there is do what you can in your orb with, um, the, uh, the talents that God has given you and the proclivities that you have to help in this area or that area, the talents um, that uh, we are all supposed to uh, exploit in furthering not only the kingdom, but I would contend also secondarily, um, you know, uh, conservatism in the United States of America, the greatest country the world has ever seen. And um, if we are not careful and we do not let God work through us and let him do the heavy lifting, if you will, and carefully work qualitatively rather than quantitatively. It is extraordinarily easy if you're an empathetic individual, which I do consider myself empathetic. It is extraordinarily easy to um, become weary. You you feel like you are opening the door every morning and walking out into this world and killing locusts with a tennis racket. They just keep coming and there's nothing you can really do about it. Um, and I, I would caution you and take my own advice today to, to not do that. Um, exposing yourself to the issues of the day, becoming a very informed citizen, I, I think is paramount. I think it's important. I think you should avail yourself to, um, various outlets that you feel are credible, but, um, obsessing about things, getting in taffy pulls with people, getting in full blown arguments, spewing hate and vitriol. Um, a lot of it stemming from just your abject frustration that you feel that the world is going to hell in a handbasket. Um, is at the end of the day, the end of the week, month, year going to leave you assuredly, um, you will be dispirited. You will, you will not see the world the way the Lord sees it. You will not lead with love. Um, you will be angry all the time and very frustrated. So, um, I know I preach that quite often on my show, but I, I tend to, um, fall into these, uh, uh, funks, if you will, where I feel just, so ineffectual. And I feel like uh, Satan is winning, basically. I know he's not, but it, it, it sure seems like it with the entertainment complex, the media complex, the political complexes, the educational complexes. Um, we saw uh, the information disseminators on Capitol Hill this week, uh, Facebook and Twitter and uh, Amazon um, kind of dancing on the head of the pin, uh, assuring us that they are very even-handed with um, with disseminating information, which is uh, factually inaccurate. And um, 
I, I, I tell you that Mark Zuckerberg scares me how he can just um, be asked very pointed questions about how conservative outlets are um, are routinely squelched in his platform and um, how he can just, you know, dance on the head of a pin um, and not really answer the obvious pink elephant in the room. But, um, you know, we have all of this and we're staring at it, but we should be staring at Jesus. We should be staring at God. We should be staring at the good things that are happening um, in life rather than the bad things. And that does not mean I'm going to stop reporting have a bad story right off the get-go here um, about how um, people are acting, but that does not mean that if you are someone that um, gets your ire up about how many of these individuals are comporting themselves uh, in in day-to-day, you know, carrying on in this country, you cannot fall prey to the screaming across the aisle, the um, reducing yourself to whatever level I, I, um, I hate to do this, but I think I will later in the show read a little bit of an article about a, um, a, uh, it's called a pop-up church that uh, I, I did not know such things existed, but, um, it's a church that kind of holds church at a, a Planned Parenthood parking lot. And they, uh, they're respectful. They do it when there are no, um, uh, patrons of that institution or that entity uh, are there, but still uh, kind of an interesting thing. And I, I'm, I'm going to read the dynamic between um, people that attend this pop-up church and, and what some people were um, kind of getting in some uh, little text wars about and, and the Planned Parenthood folks who are suing these individuals who um, are just you know exercising their uh, right to free speech and to assemble, um, but but I'm I'm not really doing it to illustrate anything other than the the discourse between um, people on the right, people on the left, born again believers, people that may not be born again believers or atheists or whatever, Democrats, Republican, old, young, black, white. It, it's really, as I have said a thousand and fifty times on this show, the, the sliver of individuals, so it seems, that have the ability to just sit down and talk to one another um, openly and productively does seem to be really rapidly um, dwindling. And that is of concern to me. So th- this first article, it says partisans hoist themselves atop Herman Cain's corpse to score political points and um, very sad, you know, Herman Cain was, um, he was literally the original Donald Trump uh, nine years ago in the presidential primary, the Republican um, primaries in 2011, when he was the quintessential outsider. He was a businessman, a a very self-made man and uh, made millions of dollars, uh, CEO of Caesar, I think it was Caesar's Pizza, um, Little Caesars Pizza, um, and uh, had some various uh, things happen to him to derail his campaign. But nonetheless, even though he dropped out of the Republican uh, primary in 2011, he has, uh, up until very recently uh, with his passing, been uh, kind of a, 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 a darling of the Republican um 
party and particularly those uh, Trump devotees that that like that outsider type style. Um, the point of me bringing this up is is not to um, <clears throat> eulogize Mr. Kane. He was a good guy. I, I liked him, but um, it was to illustrate um, how we we are so crazy these days with partisanship and and vile rhetoric. All the things that a couple shows ago that we chronicled in Colossians three eight. Um, just being stepped on, violated on, uh, crazy in, in a crazy manner by all sorts of individuals on the left and the right, and and God is just up there with his arms folded, shaking his head like, "What are you guys doing?" So this article says it has not even been twelve hours since former GOP presidential candidate Herman Cain was pronounced dead from COVID nineteen, and the usual partisans are already using his death as an opportunity to score political points. And um, this um, uh, CNN uh, analyst, Ana Navarro Cardenas, uh, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing her name, I'm not familiar with her. She tweeted out, Herman Cain thought COVID was a hoax, scoffed at wearing a mask, died of COVID, said CNN's characteristically grotesque Ana Navarro Cardenas, their words, not mine, Bill Montgomery, co-founder of pro-Trump Turning Point USA, scoffed at the virus, died of COVID. Representative Gomer refused to wear a mask, has COVID. See a pattern, she asked. COVID doesn't care about partisanship. Kane died from complications brought on by the coronavirus, the late businessman's official website announced Thursday morning. We knew when he was first hospitalized with COVID-19 that this was going to be a rough fight, said HermanCain.com editor Dan Calabrese. He had trouble breathing and he was taken to the hospital by ambulance. We all prayed that the initial meds they gave him would get this breathing back to normal. Um... And again, you know, I'm, I can go on and on with the article here, but my um, my point is, uh, and I've seen this happen again and again. Uh, let me just finish this thought. Calabrese, as we didn't release detailed updates on his condition to the public or the media because neither his family nor we thought there was any reason for that. Um, last paragraph here. Unfortunately for Kane's friends and family, left-wing activists and other grave dancers terrible term, but very accurate, are already using his death as an occasion to attack both President Trump and those who question social distancing guidelines, anti-police rioters and protesters excluded, of course, sarcasm by the writer here. And all this became um, all this because the late businessman tested positive a little over a week ago, um, or excuse me, a little over a week after he declined to wear a mask at a June 20th GOP rally in Tulsa. Um, so um, the article goes on, and I'm not really going to dignify it with, with uh, leftists. Just, uh, I, I think the term is, is very apt, grave dancing on poor Mr. Kane, um, just to slap Donald Trump around and... Um, and it's just it's it's absolutely you have to you have to wonder is there a soul involved in the people that um, that do things like this? I remember years ago when Ronald Reagan died, um, you know, 
all the the people that hated him every bit as much as they hate Trump um, came out of the woodwork with the jokes and the, uh, the the man was not dead 24 hours and um, the the uh, the vile jokes and comments and uh, revisionist history that was forwarded by everybody in the media well many people in the media was just there just wasn't a time for it and and as you guys know if you've listened to me for a while I'm not a Republican I'm not a Democrat but I will call it the way it is and um, Republicans just don't do this um, with any degree of regularity in comparison to liberals who seem to do it quite often um, to be even-handed I, I chronicled this in my book um, when I and I do it every every time I'm on the air uh, when I urge people on the right to comport themselves in a um, in a decent manner to in a Christ-like manner in a, in a forthright yet loving manner um, I always go back to the guy that was at a 2009 um, rally against Obamacare and he held up the sign bury Obamacare with Ted Kennedy now um, doesn't matter about uh, the merits of of the thousands of protesters that saw um, the um, the really negative impacts of uh, Obamacare which at that time was not um, did not come to pass but unfortunately did and they were sounding the alarm and their their sounding of the alarm gets squashed when some idiot who is presumably on the right holds up a sign like that. Um, Ted Kennedy uh, recently passed at that time. I'm no big fan of the Kennedys, and particularly Ted Kennedy. But when the gentleman is is um, just passed away over the weekend i think it was at that point in time let him let him lay let him lay um do not do that um if if we purport our side is better than their side whatever you want to define as better then let's act that way and this guy was an idiot um it's all over the news nobody's reporting on the 2009 anti-obamacare rally they're reporting on the idiot that holds up a sign that says um, Barry Obamacare with Ted Kennedy. Okay, that is the point that I'm making, uh, but I do have to be fair. Um, leftists seem to do this um, almost instantaneously when someone on the right of, uh, of the magnitude of uh, Ronald Reagan or to a far lesser uh, extent, Herman Cain and, and others die. Um, they uh, they seem to come out of the woodwork in a ghoulish grave dancing type of a fashion and do this. And, you know, we pray for them. We witness to them. We slowly but surely try to educate people like that. But um, very difficult to do. But at the least, I can tell you what we can do is not act anywhere near that way ourselves. And when people... Um, who purport to love Donald Trump get back in the face of um, anti-Trumpers or leftists and act like they do, then um, we have um, a bunch of rabid people 
talking um, to nobody but themselves and that very, very critical, although dwindling, percentage of the electorate that does not know if they're going to vote for Joe Biden or Donald Trump or stay at home. Um, they're watching. And then, yeah, so I, you know, you, you've all heard the, 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 the phrase, if somebody's acting like an idiot, you just shut up and let them do it. Um, you can only do that to a point. If somebody's beating you or destroying your property or, um, forwarding legislation that can uh, grossly affect your ability to worship or um, your your finances and your children's life. You got to fight back. I get it. But when people are, are acting in kind and then trying to forward conservative principles or, or dare I say even Christian principles when they're acting very unchristlike, um, I'm telling you what that leads to. And I've talked to enough people that it does lead to this. People just stay home. They say, I hate Hillary Clinton's guts. I hate Trump's guts. I'm staying home. Um, A lot of people don't hate Joe Biden, but they're very uneasy about voting for Joe Biden. And if folks on the right with R's next to their name or people that love Trump or people that even uh, purport to be evangelicals act in a way that is um, anything but Christ-like, those folks that are Democrats and Republicans that may be religious, they may be irreligious, it doesn't matter, that are in that, I don't know, maybe um, 7 to 15% of the electorate that could go either way, they're going to stay home. And if they stay home, that doesn't necessarily mean that Trump gets elected um, or it doesn't necessarily mean Biden gets elected or doesn't get elected, but it, I wouldn't be, if, if I, if every vote counted and they always do, I wouldn't be playing around and, um, you know, playing to your base as Donald Trump is famous for is one thing. Um, but he, in my opinion, he has to consider people that, um, don't like him, uh, don't like his policies or they like his policies sometimes, but not all the time. They really don't like him personally. He's going to have to consider that because as I've said a thousand times on this show, uh, as much as uh, Joe Biden is in a basement uh, right down the road here in in, uh, Delaware, um, the Democrat party and machine working on his behalf are definitely doing things in the Rust Belt And in these swing states that Hillary Clinton did not do and um, because they they mailed it in and took those constituents for granted. And Donald Trump snuck up as much as anybody as bombastic as he is can. He snuck up on the Democrats in Wisconsin and Michigan and Pennsylvania and Ohio and in all these places. And he. he got he just got a plurality in those states by a very small margin uh, Florida um, and they're ready for Donald Trump this time <laughs> and um, when every vote counts and your margins were thin to begin with four years ago you cannot afford uh, to say things um, that alienate people and certainly and he has not a lot of control over this you as a Donald Trump supporter cannot do things that are perceived 
as, let's just say it, crazy, because people of rational thought that may be very much apolitical, they're not really into all this scene, will be rubbed the wrong way by that. And they may not vote for Joe Biden, but they certainly won't vote for Donald Trump. And uh, I, I always contend that that is going to be the wild card. And, uh, you know, uh, in addition to the obvious uh, COVID-19 and the rioting in the streets and all that stuff. But um, how people act uh, and, and these people acting shamelessly, uh, dancing on the grave of Herman Cain are, are really very glaring examples of how we as conservatives should not act. Um so we go on to uh, another article about chaos and mayhem. Um, this uh, author here says, uh, the, the, uh, the article says, if Democratic mayors want to keep feds away, they should govern their cities. Um, interesting concept, right? It says Joe Biden seems to think that federal law enforcement is brutally attacking peaceful protesters and using egregious tactics in Portland, Oregon. He ought to get out of the basement more often. On July 18th, more than 50 days into a riot that has done millions of dollars in damage to downtown Portland and caused tens of millions of dollars in economic losses, rioters broke into the headquarters of the local police union the Portland Police Association, and set it on fire. Up to that point, they had been laying siege to the city's federal courthouse, barricading police inside, and engaging in pitched street battles, fireball, firing ball bearings with slingshots and air rifles, so much for the peaceful protesters. But what if the federal law enforcement officers... Um, uh, Biden mentioned this has become a bone of contention. The Marxist and anarchist rioters attempting to intimidate others with their own show of force in Portland have complained that federal agents are driving around in unmarked cars and arresting their comrades in arms. And um, this article goes on to um, say all the usual things that we have been hearing but uh, the take-home message um, that I'm getting from this article is, and it is um, quite simplistic, but um, if you don't want the feds to be there, take care of business in your own cities. And, and that is a thought-provoking question because you, you do see the governor of Oregon and the mayor of Portland and many governors, mayors, uh, councilmen of, of various municipalities across the country when this craziness is going on and they are beating the defund the police um, drum, they they are really quite quick to go on uh, various media outlets and say how un-American it is to, um, you know, heavy-handedly bring the feds into these local municipalities to restore order. And, and as I've said on this show several times, I'm, I'm not, um, I'm not doing cartwheels about, um, the feds coming into these municipalities. I think, um, this, uh, initiative that Donald Trump has embarked on to, um, to try to stabilize many cities from, um, albeit heinous crime is a bit of a stretch. It is not um, in the same vein as destroying uh, federal property and terrorizing federal employees. He has, he is well within his constitutional rights to do what he has done in Seattle and Portland. Um, his tour to uh, 
quote unquote clean up America, I think should concern um, libertarians out there, conservatives, but I digress a little bit. But um, as far as forwarding solutions is concerned, we, we, we see the liberal leadership of these areas um, just decrying this heavy handed federal presence. But when calmly asked, what are you doing to stabilize this situation yourself? I not only do they not have answers, but I don't think those questions are even being asked. And 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 um, that's what scares me the most about this society we live in. That that questions that um, only a few short years ago would be asked of individuals like you're the mayor. They're occupying um, federal buildings. They're kicking cops out on the street. They're assaulting cops. What what are you doing to stop this? That would be a pretty commonsensical thought-provoking question that Democrats or Republicans could probably safely have asked at some point in time, not in the too distant past. But now I really don't hear anybody uh, asking that. And if it's not being asked, then the, the politicians are on the hot seat to to forward whatever solution they may have um, to let a situation such as that just simply burn itself out or smolder out is is really not leadership. That is just like the slow fade. And um, in theory, it could work, but en route to um, these powder keg situations just slowly burning out, people are dying. Police officers are being maimed. They're being killed. Um, the rule of law is being urinated upon. And, and um, I'm not hearing a lot of answers, uh, excuse me, solutions being forwarded by the governor of uh, California or Oregon or Washington or the mayors of some of these municipalities. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of complaining and I probably would not want someone coming into my city and saying, well, if you can't handle it, I will. But I think it's fair to ask them why do you why are you not handling this? And the um, the article basically says that if you don't want the feds to come into your neck of the woods to restore law and order, then get it together yourself. Now I understand that um, a, a deal has been struck between uh, the uh, political hierarchy in uh, Oregon and the feds to. Um, to start, uh, start to slowly um, uh, de-escalate that presence, if you will, and the state police in, in the um, city of Portland are going to come in and restore order, but uh, or try to anyway. But I, I heard something very interesting on the news last night. Nobody has consulted these uh, anarchists about how they feel. So the um, governor the mayors, the various politicians that are sympathetic to this chaos going on, they are striking a deal that makes them look good. Hey, we told the feds to go back to Washington. Washington is is striking another position saying, yeah, we'll go, but not so fast. We want to see if the state police can handle this. So a quasi victory for them and their devotees that are all about law and order, which we should all be about law and order, regardless of whatever our political persuasion is. But um, the um, the pink elephant in the room 
are the protesters. Nobody's really asking them, hey, what do you think? You think it's time to go home, go back to your mom's basement uh, or, or wherever? No, nobody's really consulting them. And I can tell you, these agitators, these anarchists, they're not real happy about um, either of these entities uh, dictating what's going to happen to them. So, um, unfortunately, I don't think this situation in Portland is all wrapped up in a nice, neat little bow. So, um, anyway, next article that we see here, it says Trump suggests delaying the election um, until people can vote securely. So, excuse me, sip of tea here. Um, this is something that people have been concerned with for a really long time. And again, not a Republican, not a Democrat, but voter fraud, um, clearly the uh, bulk of it, um, is, is very much at home in the Democrat party. Do Republicans do some crazy things? Um, and do we find out about that from time to time? We certainly do, but, um, Democrats wrote the book on how to steal votes, how to carry the deceased vote, how to vote multiple times. Um, they wrote books uh, on it and they still continue to do it. Uh, I think I chronicled this on the show uh, <clears throat> about a month ago. Hugh Hewitt had a great book years ago. If it's not close, they can't cheat. And um, the whole premise of the book was, hey, Republicans, um, the deck is stacked against you. You don't know how to do this. Um, with a well-oiled machine and a willing media and uh, many of the other complexes that I chronicled earlier. Um, you don't have this apparatus at your disposal and you're just not as good at it as Democrats are. So if you want to stay in power or um, chip away at a plurality of Democrats in, in one um, form or another, you better win going away. And because if it's close, you and I uh, have seen this many times. You don't have to be real old to see it. Um, uh, since the year 2000, it has uh, been uh, very prevalent. Um, the lawyers come out. Craziness happens. Um, boxes of uh, uncounted ballots simply arrive places and no one knows how they got there. Uncounted ballots um, are, are found in people's trunks and the bulk of those ballots, 65, 35, just happen to be for Democrats. And it happens to be a number of ballots to sway an election from one um, person to another. It happens all the time. So if you think Donald Trump is just... Um, you know, crying foul here before it even happens. He has a uh, good reason to do that. However, I will say this. If, if you are a student of Donald Trump, um, in my opinion, this is a trap. Trump does this all the time. He says things to elicit reaction from people on the left. Um, he successfully baits individuals that cannot stand him and 105% of the time, they always take the bait. I do not know why, but this is, it. well, I do know why. When when emotion rules the day, hatred, anger, emotion, um, you are not thinking rationally. 
and their hatred of Donald Trump, their contempt for the man, their disrespect for the man and his intellect um, and his competency all get stirred together in this little psychological soup and his opponents in the media, his political opponents, politicians, etc., they fall for his um, traps all the time. So uh, is, is Trump being provocative for one reason or another? And I don't even know what the reason would be. I think he is. I, I think he's greasing the skids. And I don't necessarily think he's greasing the skids um, because he thinks he's going to get screwed in November. Although I think there could be a very high likelihood of that because when um, these uh, universal mail-in voting becomes a prevalent um that just boggles the mind as, as far as how wrought that is for nefarious activity. But I think he does this at every turn. He baits individuals. And when he does this, they tend to act just in a way that sets him up and puts him in a good light. And he does it every time and they fall for it every time. So we shall see. But the article says President Trump suggested that the election could be delayed questioning whether Americans can properly, securely, and safely vote this year with universal mail-in voting. And this is not absentee voting. This is, this is different. Um, 2020 will be the most inaccurate and fraudulent election in history. Trump wrote in a Thursday tweet, it will be a great embarrassment to the USA. Delay the election until people can properly, securely, and safely vote. Now, there's a motivation to say this now, and I don't think it's primarily because he anticipates he could get screwed in a few months. Donald Trump is very good at doing this. And um, when he says something and he says jump and the media says how high, I, I just think it's it's breathtaking to watch. But he does it. He does it with um, a great deal of success. And he always does it with a purpose in mind. I'm not asserting what that purpose would be. But um, article goes on to say Trump has repeatedly suggested on Twitter and in interviews that mail-in voting could be subject to fraud and has called the practice one of the biggest risks I have. Try to delay the uh, election, he says. Mark my words, Biden said in April. I think he is going to try to kick back the election somehow, come up with some rationale why it can't be held. When Biden floated in April that Trump may try to delay the election, Trump said, I never even thought of changing the date of the election. Why would I do that? November 3rd is a good number. Trump's re-election campaign called the suggestion the conspiracy theory, ramblings of a candidate out of touch with reality. Those are the incoherent conspiracy theory ramblings of a lost candidate who is out of touch with reality. Trump campaign communication director Tim Murtaugh said in a statement at that time. Now Trump is, is actually um, tweeting out that that could be plausible. Um I have no idea what's going on. Um, Donald Trump is is a fascinating individual. Um, his assertion that corruption is almost assured if universal voting is done with any degree of regularity is, is certainly something that is factual. But um, I don't know what his motivation now uh, is. Uh, I would suspect it, it is a little bit more than just sounding the alarm to watch out. Um, 
I, I, I just, I think he enjoys the heck out of tweaking the media and make them act um, crazy. So I'm, I'm going to try to, at this time, um, get through this article. This is, uh, it's rather lengthy and, and I'm, 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 I'm doing it um, not to necessarily agree <clears throat> with the tactics of um, one entity over the tactics of another. I, I just want to put it out there because I think it's a very good example of um, how difficult it is for anybody to talk to anybody. Um, the, the the people on Capitol Hill that were on the hot seat, the Amazon folks and Twitter and uh, and uh, uh, Google and um, uh, Facebook, um, I, I think there is a, a real challenging um, dilemma for us that are faith-based voters or uh, consider ourselves conservative, if you will, when the information that is disseminated to you and I is filtered in a slanted way. Now, I, I have said many times on this show, I'm not about the government heavy-handedly um, inserting themselves in these situations. Um, I've always contended if you're Bing or some other entity um, and you want to create a search engine that is fair right down the middle for anybody that wants to put out information, then have at it and um, and take Google on. Um but in this day and age where you can't really believe what you read um, when you do a simple Google search and then you have people in the media spinning and uh, demagoguing certain issues and there's flamethrowers on the left and right, it, it's very important to get it right and to go to your prayer closet and, and listen to the Lord. What do you want me to do? Who do you want me to ro- vote for? What is your plan for my life in this crazy, chaotic world? Um, and, and an article like this makes me, uh, it, it just reinforces what I say on this show pretty much weekly, which is um, it's very difficult to know what to think when people are carefully um, crafting the message, or as I've said many times, you define the verbiage, you win the war. Um, and this article and, and some of the comments people have forwarded after the article um, are kind of uh, indicative of the problem that we have in the United States now. This is uh, Planned Parenthood sues pop-up church over noise, but pastor says there's more to the story. So the church at Planned Parenthood, um, catchy name, huh? T-C-A-P-P. They are calling themselves the Church at Planned Parenthood um, in Spokane, Washington, is being sued for making too much noise and allegedly harming patients. But the anti-abortion pastor says it's false accusations across the board. Um, and the the picture on this article um, on Fox News by Caleb Park happens to have a picture of Margaret Sanger, the... Um, the iconic um, figure in Planned Parenthood history. And it says New York Clinic to remove Margaret Sanger's name because of her harmful connections to the eugenics movement. Reaction from Benjamin Watson, executive producer of Divided Hearts of America, 
Um, so it, it, uh, it, this is an article about how this church has set up in a Planned Parenthood parking lot. And I'll kind of go through the steps of this article in a second. But the picture they use here is of Margaret Sanger. And um, if any of you um, don't know about um, this this iconic um, godlike figure within the Planned Parenthood uh, uh, entity, um, we'll, we'll give you a few quotes of Margaret Sanger that'll... Um, chill your spine and and how um and i've chronicled it in my book and this article chronicles it as well how planned parenthood can get away with um purporting uh to be concerned about black lives when they have slaughtered more black lives than any entity known to man is really um breathtaking to me. But anyway, the TCAPP First Amendment's rights are at odds with the health care of the patients at Planned Parenthood of Greater Washington, according to the suit filed um, by Legal Voice uh, against five area pastors of Covenant Church, which started the ministry. Um, so these guys put up um, a mural in front of the Planned Parenthood clinic Babies' lives matter. Okay, if we're in a sane world and people aren't clubbing people over the head with things and giving people beatdowns for protecting property and governors and mayors are actually protecting citizens instead of uh, protecting criminals, um, if we're in a sane world, it, it, it may not be that um, provocative to put up a sign that says baby lives matter. But in a hypersensitive world where people are ripe to take whatever you say out of context and to paint you as something and put you in a box and run you over, um, I understand what these um, uh, this church is doing, but I don't think a mural painted in front of the Planned Parenthood clinic saying babies' lives matter is helpful um, as far as starting a discussion. And uh, I, I just I just don't. Um, we've been running for two years. We have never been cited, uh, says Ken Peters. He's the TCAPP pastor. Um, and he says, you have a billion-dollar industry suing local church pastors that aren't wealthy at all. Um who are singing and peaceably assembling. Okay, now I agree with the pastor, they're singing and peaceably assembling. But to put up a sign, Babies Lives Matter, is, um, it, uh, I'm telling you, it, it is it is taking people on the uber left and uber right, and they're butting their heads together, and they're not necessarily forwarding the ball in a productive manner, in my opinion. Now, if these individuals have spent time with the Lord and they have uh, urged them to wear shirts and to um, hold up posters of dead babies and, and um, kind of tweak people that are supportive of the Black Lives Matter movement by saying babies' lives matter, 
Although in a sane world, and if you just capture that statement and hold it alone, yes, it, it is factual. But in the world we live in, I don't know how productive that is in swaying anybody over to your side. Um, the pastor contends um, they go to Planned Parenthood and we hold church once a month. We do this after hours and we are not causing any harm. Now, that seems to me to be a statement that could be fact-checked pretty easily. And the assertion of the abortion facility is that their patients are being intimidated and reproductive rights are being squelched. And in a pandemic world that we live in, you got to throw as many words as you can into your argument to get people to be sympathetic to it, I guess. But to me, it seems like this could be checked out pretty easily. If this pastor, although pretty aggressive with his message, um, not really backing down too much, which is all well and good. If he is deferential enough to keep the decibel level low, which he said he has done, and he's doing this when um, the patrons of Planned Parenthood uh, or the patients, if you want to call them that, are not being there, I think that's reasonable. I think that could be checked pretty easily. So um, Planned Parenthood says that their uh, workers are being intimidated, yada, yada. Um, Tuesday night singing, worshiping songs. Ryan Bomberg, a pro-life advocate, was, wow, amazing story. Um, it says the abortion facility, which has been measuring noise levels, alleges the group's worship and speakers reach disruptive and intimidating levels violating an ordinance passed by the Spokane City Council in March. The TCAPP started conducting the services. Then um, the lawsuit claims the police are not enforcing the law because they are on the side of the church. Now, again, let's analyze this in the crazy world we live in. Um, that seems to me a pretty easy one is the decibel level above whatever. Is this intimidating patient? I don't see how it possibly could be if they're doing it after hours. So we want to make our argument more persuasive if we're Planned Parenthood. Let's throw the police under the bus. Everybody hates the police these days, right? Okay. Um, so it's really, really frustrating, the article goes on, and should not be allowed to happen when the laws are very clear in Washington State and the city of Spokane about interference with healthcare facilities. Paul Dillon, vice president of public affairs for the Planned Parenthood uh, entity, told um, this news outlet, it's extremely unnerving for the patients at Planned Parenthood. Well, if they are doing something this disruptive during hours of operation, I would agree with this gentleman, but it, it really seems to me that they are not. However, the pastor said their once a month services begin when the abortion facility closes down, and he said they will start the service later if that's a problem. So he is being very accommodating. We are bringing attention to the fact that they are killing life for money, Peter said, that's what they don't like. That's why they are suing us. We are shining a light for the Lord on their sin, and that's what they hate about us. Um, at first, they tried to drown us out with their own sound and their own protesters, but we kept singing, praying, and praising God under our First Amendment rights of assembly, 
and freedom of religion, uh, excuse me, religion, the pastor said. The pastor says Planned Parenthood filed the city council, uh, filled the city council with pro-abortion members and passed the city ordinance, but his gathering has even lowered their decibels. Um, I don't know how it works out there, but uh, I can I can tell the pastor that you can't fill a city council with people that are of one ideology or another. They can be elected or appointed by elected officials, uh, depending on how it works in your municipality. But you can't just be an entity such as Planned Parenthood and go and fill a city council. Um, if those members of that city council are pro-abortion members and they're um, elected duly, that is extraordinarily unfortunate, but that's the way uh, it works in a representative um, republic as which we live in. However, if these council members are um, doing things in a shady way and making it hard for uh, the pastor to um, exercise his First Amendment rights, then that's problematic as well. But But let's stop right there. Let's get back to the crux of the problem. I, I think who's right and wrong here, even though I'm a Christian and I believe in pro-life um, movements, uh, I, I think that's secondary to what we're trying to achieve here. What are we trying to achieve here? What is our end game? To attract rather than repel. Are we really attracting anybody with a provocative mural that says babies' lives matter particularly in the climate that we're living in. Um, am I a fan of Planned Parenthood? No, but I, I've, I've often gotten a little queasy with some of the stuff I see going on at these places. Now, again, if the Lord has called you to hold up a sign of a dead baby, that's your thing. But um, and, and I think the light of truth should be shown on these people for who they are and, and what they believe and, and, um, the Margaret Sanger thing, uh, again, um, I can't believe it's taking this many decades for somebody to actually pressure Planned Parenthood to uh, to drop her name from the awards that they give out. But um, I, I just, I, I don't know, maybe it's my shtick. I, I am much more into attracting rather than repelling. And I think at the end of the day, um, a street fight, sometimes literally in a Planned Parenthood parking lot between Christians and people that do desperately need the Lord um, to be screaming at each other is not entirely productive. Um, I, I'm, I'm, as you can hear by my voice, I'm measuring my words quite carefully because I, I don't want to throw... Um, uh, their tactics out the window totally, but I'm I'm very cautious because I have talked to many people that um, don't have a dog in this fight, which is kind of a stupid statement because everybody's got um, a stake in this fight because everybody has a brother, a sister, a mother, a cousin. Um, but people that not necessarily uh, abortion is not their biggest issue. Uh, if you want them to understand how horrible this is, um, and there's ways to do it. And I, I guess I'll just end the conversation this way, that my way of doing it would be a little bit different than, um, the church at Planned Parenthood. Um, so, uh, 
we will conclude with that. We are living in chaotic times. Um, just look upward, pray, whatever your calling happens to be. Um, just uh, ask the Lord um, to to cement that in your heart, mind, and soul, and just go forward with it. This is Kurt Flewelling, Reshaping America. I will see you next week.